Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Run Your Mouth Extravaganza, where we cover all the important topics that you need to get through your work week. It was the weekend, you were at Super Bowl parties, you were smashing Subway sandwiches, drinking beers, and then the day before that, you wanted to make sure that your stomach was ready for it, so you spent the whole day at home eating all sorts of like, uh, you know, fried foods so that you would make massive diarrhea Sunday morning, and then when you showed up to that party Sunday night, you already flushed all that diarrhea out of the system. You don't want to be doing your first unhealthy, unhealthy eating that you've done in a long time when you show up to somebody else's Super Bowl party, and then you're that guy who just eats a little bit of chicken wings and fried wings and whatever, and then you got to keep circling the house debating which bathroom would be best to shit in. You don't want to do that. And I know that the fans of this podcast are smart enough to know that the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday, you got to stay home and smash all sorts of unhealthy foods, have a really wild Sunday morning, then you go for a workout, you show up to that Super Bowl party super hungry, already with all that diarrhea flushed out of your system so you can overeat in somebody else's home and enjoy your day. And I hope that that's the way that you guys celebrated your Super Bowl Sunday, which is, uh, you know, all of our holiday. And uh, you know what? Let's get right into the news. Uh, we're going to be covering some important topics before we do. As always, program is brought to you by Sheath and YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. Get yourself some sheaths. Get yourself some Kratoms of kilos. You can be living yourself a better life. Also, I. Uh, check out. I have an exclusive audio interview. Why? I don't know. Just go subscribe to the podcast. Every single day you can delete the download and then I can feel like I got more subscribers. Then you can do the thing where you rate and review it and you send it to other friends. And then I start to feel like I'm a more important human being. So, you know, do your part in helping me feel more important. Uh, but exclusive audio interview with a mechanic out in uh, um, Canada who did all sorts of research really came in with that good old libertarian autism that you and I love so very, very much. This guy had all the facts and information and uh, the video didn't work, right? So it's going to be exclusive audio. Go download the show. And then I'll start doing segments where there's a little bit missing from each so that you have to go listen to both and match it together so you can get one complete daily briefing. Isn't that fun? All right, let's just get right into, here are some topics that we're going to be covering on today's broadcast. I want to make sure that everyone knows that you will be informed if you listen to this thing. Uh, so we're going to be covering what kind of poo uh, did Obel Deckham, Beckham Jr. Uh, feature at his post-Super Bowl party. The guy was victorious. Um, we've got the inside scoop on what he had shat on his chest. Uh, we're also going to get into a discussion about whether or not Eminem is racist for kneeling during the uh, national anthem. I mean, why does the one white guy show up and then pretend like he's the more supportive of black people? We don't have to get too worked up. We'll, we'll look into that later. Um when to know if you should save someone while choking at the Super Bowl party. I know sometimes a person's choking at the corner and like you want to give him a second, see if he's going to figure it out. And then lastly is, uh, does placing your dick on deli meats add flavor? And if you decide to go the dick on deli meat option to increase the flavor of your deli meats, do you have an obligation to warn your guests? Uh, here's, by the way, the kicker. It depends on whether or not you've been vaccinated, but we're going to cover all that a little bit later in the program. Uh, let's start with our first topic of today, which is we need to kill some monkeys. And I wouldn't make this my leading topic if it wasn't as important as this. We need to forget the truckers, forget anywhere else you were giving charity. I need your money coming in to the run your mouth program so that I can hire a team of vigilantes to break into Elon Musk's home and kill some monkeys. Because apparently that Neuralink thing, you know, you can go back down the run your mouth archive. You go back to uh, the end of year special from, I believe it was 2020. And I came out as anti-Neuralink. 
Then two weeks later, new information. I'm not above admitting I was wrong. Apparently, you put this Neuralink in your brain. You could just be walking around having orgasms all the time. Am I going to come out as anti-orgasms? I'm not the anti-orgasm guy. I'm the guy who does a broadcast in the morning, spends the rest of his afternoon jerking off at home. I'm all for orgasms. So I'm not going to come out as anti-Neuralink orgasms. But now it turns out that he's been torturing monkeys. And so you got a bunch of monkeys that are dead. And then the other monkeys got super chips in their brains. And we can't have monkeys with super chips in their brains that have been tortured by a billionaire and has other monkey friends that just died. That's the beginning of Planet of the Apes. That right there is, is Planet of the Apes coming true. And so uh, if you guys can help me go kill some of Elon Musk's monkeys, I don't know if enough other people in the media are going to be talking about this today. But I'm just saying, if we were to end the broadcast right now, and I would never discuss another issue for the rest of my currently non-existing broadcasting career, it's somewhat a career. We got sponsorships. You'll create them in sheath. I'm a professional. So, you know, no more with the self-deprecating jokes. This is the ultimate in in uh, in uh, uh, living room broadcasts. Uh, let's kill some monkeys. Moving on. What else we got? So you still got Russia and Ukraine's and America starting to look like uh, Ukraine. Uh, here was the article. Ukraine says its UK ambassador did not offer to bargain away NATO aspirations and Russia standoff. So it seems like both Russia and the US really want Ukraine. It's like the hot chick at the party. You know, I don't know what, what Ukraine's got to offer these people. You know, maybe it's a uh, wealth and stuff because it's so corrupt over there. It's easier for them to steal in Ukraine. And Biden's like, well, I want that stolen money. And Putin's like, no, you get off Ukraine. I've been eyeing Ukraine for a while. And so I'm just going to propose what I do. Just go for the fat chick in the corner. You know, when everyone's vying over the one hot chick, there's usually some sad fat chick in the corner. She's probably more fun. She's probably way cooler. Let's be honest. I'm not even at a party. So just, you know, continue with this joke with me. Just go. So here's what I'm thinking. Isn't there some other countries that we can just go invade so we can feel good about ourselves or can't Russia just go the Taiwan route? I know because then you're competing with China. So it's still kind of the hot chick at a party. There's got to be some other country that these people can invade. Or if Russia is going to invade Ukraine, can we at least somehow get some caves installed there? So maybe they got to spend 18 years trying to uh, conquer the country. And then at some point they give up, just leave. The thing falls apart. And then we steal some of their funds and we give it to 9-11 victims. I mean, I, with all this defense stuff that we've given to Ukraine, has anyone tried installing caves so that Ukrainians can just hide in it for a bunch and keep the war going on forever? And then what we can do is we can train the people living in the caves and then we can go fight them in 20 years. And this is what Hollywood's all about. It's nostalgic storylines. You know, you got to go with your tried to tested stories. They work for a reason. And then you just uh, you rebrand them with new presidents in 20 years. Uh, then here was the other part. So, you know, Russia, Ukraine's all like, uh, we're not putting out to anybody. We're, we're, we're holding out for marriage. We're not putting out at this party. Uh, and here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe Ukraine's worked out a deal where he's all like, Russia, you come in here, you let me leave with my money. Uh, and I'll just give you the country and they don't put up much of a fight. And if that happens, then what we need to do is, and when I say we, I mean like the deep state, because they listen to the show for ideas. And so I try and be as helpful as possible, but then you got to go find that guy and kill him. And then you get to turn to all the other countries and be like, uh, Hey, listen, you know, you're going to have to buy some defense stuff. You better buy some of our caves, because if you don't buy some of our, uh, uh, some of these caves that we can install into your country and some of our defense systems, then you're going to get taken. Like you can't just let a country be taken over and then it works out for the leader. 
You need something really terrible to happen to that leader so you can scare all the other countries into buying really expensive uh, military gear from you guys. Uh, and one last thing on the Russia story. So now you got Russia saying that uh, the U.S. is saying that Russia may create a pretext to attack Ukraine, a false flag, kind of like what we tried with Cuba. And then we successfully pulled it off with the 9-11 towers, you know, kind of things that uh, that where you pretend like the country did something so terrible that they were a threat and you had no choice but to go in there kind of like, uh, did we do that in Vietnam? I don't know. But doesn't it feel like America's doing this right now to Russia? Doesn't it feel like we're trying to push them into a box where something had, we're like, we're almost bitching out Putin and we're like, Biden's all that. I told you, you can, um, that I told you, you can invade the Ukraines. I told you, you could go in there. Now you're just being a bitch, Putin. Putin, I said you could you could have a minor incursion. You ain't just you just decided not to do it. That's on you. Look at how weak Russia is. Feels like we're kind of bitching them out, forced them to do it. Just say that we won't go NATO it. Like I don't need a NATO Ukraine. I don't even need any. Does NATO do anything for me? I don't give a shit about NATO. Hong Kong, thank you. We'll go to the comments because uh, here we are. Brew Bo showing his support. Hong Kong, hell yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, I think there was one more thing. Oh, on the Ukraines. Nope. Pfizer has postponed its request with the FDA to approve COVID-19 vaccine for kids under five. Uh, Cause even they were like, all right, we can only put it, you know, even they were like, ah, we're not sure that this is a good idea. What's changed. I mean, the CDC is looking for it. People aren't following the science anymore. People, the, the CDC is telling us we got to be wearing masks. Everyone's taking off their masks. Pfizer's all of a sudden realizing maybe it's cause uh, whatever terrible thing happens to you when you get vaccinated, it happens to kids sooner. I can't be saying that that would be reckless to say on the airways. It was a question. It was just a question. I'm wondering why, what happened in these trials that even Pfizer's like, you know what, we're going to, we're not going to push it on those, that group of people. And then of course we've got, uh, this one's just terrible. The Afghanis, right? The Afghanis, had all sorts of money. I think at the Fed, was it at the Fed? I don't know. They kept a bunch of money with us. And then after we left and you know, we had all that whole debacle at the airport, we're like, all right, well now that the Taliban is in charge, we can't just give these people back their money. So we'll give it to 9-11 victims. And then everyone's like, Hey, come on, you're stealing. And then of course, Biden responded, come on, man. Haven't you heard of inflation? We're stealing from everyone. We're taking from you as citizens too. That that not, that six billion dollar ain't gonna be worth shit by the time we get it to you guys. Figure give it to uh give it to the victims and then they can spend and then we'll get you guys new money when, when we all go to a new currency that's helpful. Now, that's just crazy. You got to figure out a way to get it to people. You can't just steal the money and we just print money and give it to people here anyway. So what do we got to steal Afghani money to give it to and what 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 like what specifically is that going to for nine eleven victims? that we haven't already funded. What do we need funds for for 9/11 victims that we haven't uh that we haven't yet funded? All right, let's take a couple comments. People are getting active in the chat and then we can uh take a look at some other topics here. James Price, the same cunts that said Putin stole that 20 2016 election and now saying he's going to invade on Wednesday somewhere around lunchtime. You know, you think he could at least wait till after lunch, wait till after lunch. Everyone's all sleepy. What you should do is say, hey, listen, we don't want to invade you guys. So we're going to do free seamless for the entire country as much as you want to eat. But you got to have it for lunch. Everyone overeats for lunch. And then you just go in there when they're taking naps and you fucking kill them. You see, that's why people should put me in charge of the world. CIA, I'm super smart. Give me a job. Andrew, I'm not going to read your last name. Robbie is dressed like he's going to teach uh, Sarwark how to chop trees after the show. I would hang out with Sarwark. He's got the in with the Asian pussy. 
Oh wait, no, no, no. I'm thinking of uh the guy in um uh in California. Mix up those names. Last comment. Damn it, Biden stole all that money I spent on heroin from the Taliban. Ain't that true? All right, next news story. Here we go. Freedom Convoy protesters continue to block Ambassador Bridge. I'm not clear on what's happening. So they said that they cleared it out. Now we got new news stories of people coming in. It's like reinforcements are coming in. I've got an idea for how we can fund this thing forever. We got to figure out what's your price tag for clogging up a bridge, going to jail, and then we just short GM shares. We figure out the companies that need that bridge in order to survive. We short them. Maybe we get some funding for Elon Musk so that his electric vehicles can make even more money because he's got different supply lines. And it's just a feedback loop. People get arrested, right? GM shares go down. We shorted the chairs, shares. We send it to the people at the bridge. Everybody wins. Next topic. Clinton campaign funded attempt to infiltrate Trump servers, new legal filing alleges. And firstly, it's just an allegation. I mean, in terms of allegations, they alleged that uh, Trump was a Russian asset for three years. You don't know why Trump was so fucking crazy. I mean, you made him crazy. Talk about the gaslighting of the entire. You pretended like he was a Trump at like uh, that. He was colluding with the foreign nation after you hacked his stuff. You spied him illegally. You make up the entire story. You can't even plant good evidence about it. That's all we have to hear about for three years. Guy just wants to build a wall and he can't focus on the one thing that he wants to do, which is build a wall. Then they keep giving him paperwork, telling him that nobody likes him and how he's a Russian asset. He's like, this stuff is so false. I'm just going to flush it down the toilet. And now everyone in the news is talking about how Trump made shit so big that it would come out and stuff up the things. And I'm just trying to say you can't feel bad for Trump because, you know, he's a child and he's not a nice person and he talks really funny. But in this case, here's the big problem is that the system already won, right? So they made this thing up two, uh, I mean, now it's like five years ago. They dismantled Trump's like political power. They tie down the entire country and talking about bullshit for, you know, a couple of years. Like they already won. They got what they needed out of that. So like for, for like to even pretend like, oh, this is amazing. Look, at the truth is coming out now. Like we need to figure out, firstly, we need to say factually 100%, hey, look, the Clinton machine actually did something terrible here, then there needs to be some serious repercussions for the Clinton machine and everybody who propagated that lie. And we almost need to like go back in time to how annoying it was every time you had to go anywhere and have a conversation with anyone and convince them that Trump wasn't a fucking traitor from Russia, which it's going to be the same thing with the entire fucking vaccine story. But, you know, one topic at a time, we got to figure out how there's like harsh ramifications for being wrong on things. And then we got to figure out how we can speed up this process of figuring out that things are wrong, because otherwise it's always in your incentive for the political elites to just make shit up and pose it on us. I mean, I've been yelling about this for a while that like government just gets to do illegal things and there's no penalty for being wrong. But this is like kind of the same thing with news and information where the deep state, right? They wanted to basically undermine Trump's presidency, right? So they invent this whole story about how he's actually working with Russia. Uh, the media goes nuts about it for three years. Turns out that it's not true. No one apologizes. No one loses their job. No one is like responsible for getting things wrong. Everyone just points to someone else and goes, well, that's the intelligence person. And he told me this and we were just going off of that. And well, uh, the prosecutors didn't have enough information to actually bring a case, but they never said that he didn't do it. What a fucking sham that was. And then Mueller, who's uh, actually like a, apparently like a genius FBI guy who's been there forever, is so slick and fucking like fucking snake like he shows up in front of Congress and is telling me, what? I'm confused. I wrote that. That was in a paper. All of a sudden he turns into like uh, 
uh, a Keanu Reeves character. What? What, man? I don't know. That was we put that in a report. Oh, we wouldn't have said that. Uh, and so now it's whatever amount of years later, the damage has been done. And so I, I, I don't know. We got to figure out how to speed up the uh, proving things false and there being responsibility for lying to everybody on such a mass level. All right, moving on. Super Bowl ads, Coinbase, Budweiser, and more pay an average of $6.5 million for 30 second ads. Uh, firstly, is Coinbase getting into fractional reserve Bitcoining? I want to know. I don't trust these platforms. I feel like everything that exists in banking probably exists with like your Geminis and everything else. Also, the Coinbase fees suck. Last time I tried to buy so I couldn't believe how much the fucking fees were. So I'm done with them. I'm going to give all the Winklevoss twins my money. I'm going pure, pure Gemini. If I'm going to get robbed, I'd at least like less fees on every transaction before I realized that my money wasn't actually there. And I know all you people are like, get yourself a, get yourself a wallet. Get, you got, if you're still on the platforms, you don't even understand what crypto is all about. You're still empowering the powerfuls. And I, you know what? It's enough. I can only do so much to my, uh, you know, but fuck Coinbase. I'm at least there. I'm at least at that level. And then once the Gemini Hodge twin, not the Hodge twins, the, uh, the Winklevoss twins do something that pisses me off, then maybe I'll take all my Coinbase and I'll put it in this drop ceiling, but not in that spot. Not at the spot I just point to. So don't come rob my apartment that barely even has a deadbolt. Moving on. Uh, here was my takeaway from most of these commercials. It was just brands mocking us about how much money they have. Where they're like, look, not only can we afford this spot, but we can also afford uh, this celebrity that you probably don't even really care. It was like, how many celebrities can we shove into single ads? Especially like the Michelob people did that. And they're just bowling. It wasn't even fun bowling. They didn't even try and tie it in with the big Lebowski. And then also bowling alleys don't look like that anymore. Bowling alleys used to be cool. They used to look like that. Now they're all like these trendy fucking disco places. But so Michelob people, they saw how many celebrities they could shove into a commercial. Uh, BMW just had Arnold for no reason. Didn't even make. How hot does that chick still look? How does she still look as good as she does? I, I would. I'll start saving money and using her plastic surgeon. My God, what's her name? Salma Hayek. Jesus Christ, did she still look good? Uh, and then, but that was basically my takeaway. There weren't too many good commercials. Just loading up celebrities into them. Uh, I will say I'd like to comment on the Facebook commercial. I don't know if anyone else has comment on this yet. But how creepy was that one? Where they were basically going, "Hey, listen, you might be a piece of trash." And the world might have thrown you away where there's no place for you in the world, but you can come on to the digital landscape and feel like a human being once again. Let us restore your dignity, you human piece of old trash that nobody cares about, by, by entering into a digital landscape where you can feel like a human being again, you piece of trash. Thank you, Facebook. All right, moving forward. Pelosi says defund the police is not the Democratic Party's policy because their policy is insider trading and then as much police as possible to make sure that we don't go into their homes, especially when we find out five years from now uh, how much money they made, you know, propping up big pharma and what kind of side effects may or may not exist. Very crucial. You say may not. And then you haven't actually said anything. That's how I become a media machine. You make sure that everything you say sounds like you're saying something really intense, but then you use these little small words that, you know, make every statement you say completely irrelevant. Uh, and then last news story of the day, Jill Biden turns Valentine's Day into lesson for second graders. And what is Jill Biden doing talking to kids about love? I want to know, is she grooming people for, uh, for Joe? She knows that, you know, Joe... 
He's going to be out of this presidency pretty soon. He's going to only have about one year of life left, and he's really going to want to sniff some kids. I mean, they told him, hey, no more sniffing kids. You got to become president. People don't like a president that sniffs kids. But in retirement, are you really not going to let this kid sniff kids anymore? You're not. That, that, that would just be mean. I mean, this guy, he held back his greatest thing in life, which is going out there and sniffing some kids so that he could be president. And then he finally gets in there. He pretends to do the job. He stutters. He winks at, at, at screens. He doesn't get to talk his mind. And then he leaves and you don't let him sniff kids. So I don't think Joe Biden should be allowed around kids. I'm just, I'm going to be the first one to, to float that. All right. And then a couple, uh, by the way, let's plug uh, our sponsors once more, sheathunderwear.com. If you don't have sheath, if I haven't said sheath in your ears enough time that like you guys haven't just gone out and bought a pair, you're crazy. RYM, 20% off. And then, of course, you'll create them. If you're over the age of 21, you get yourself a whole kilo for 60 bucks. Uh, send me an email, Robbie the Fire, or uh, I mean, that's on Twitter. You can you can Instagram message me. You can message me on Twitter or you can email me at robsnewsroom at gmail.com. First, if there were any big stories you were listening, I don't know why I said stories like such a Canadian there, but there are any big stories you're like, hey, how come we didn't cover this one? Send me an email. I'll cover it on the next show. Even if it's to go, hey, I know nothing about it. You send me an email of a news story. I will address it on the next show. Uh, also, I'd like to start doing a dumbass of the day. We'll select one dumbass each day. Someone's going to win an award on a daily basis. Maybe we'll even start sending them plaques. Maybe we'll get enough money that we can send people plaques for being the dumbass of the day. Then we could have a dumbass of the month. Then we could have a dumbass of the year. We could have a, a whole ranking system where, you know, because no, otherwise there's no consequences for being a dumbass. So we're going to help people. We're going to pick one winner each day so that we can really focus in on one asshole and let them know that they're being dumb and try and do our part to have more consequences for people being stupid. Uh, and then lastly is, you know, I, just, I don't want to be up here just yelling out problems. You know, that's not cool. I, you guys are trying to start your work day. You know, you're trying to listen to me, get a little bit of a feel for the news and then show up to an office and get some work done. And so I don't want to be here just screaming about all the world's problems. I want to try and offer some solutions. So Here's a solution I had in my head. You know, we saw the power of the truckers. And by the way, I'm floating this as a potential solution. It needs legal review because I don't want to be uh, on air saying that people should engage in destructive or activities or violence in any fashion. That's not what I'm about, but I am about creative ideas. And then hopefully a legal team reviewing the creative ideas, coming back to the show and letting people know whether or not you can do it before you actually do it. But here's my idea. So first is, you know, they robbed Trump of his presidency by creating this whole Russia collusion thing. And then he goes nuts. He's flushing things down a toilet. And then people are getting mad at him and going, look at how crazy this guy is. He flushes things down toilets that don't belong in toilets. He lost his mind. He's a child. We can't possibly have this guy be president again. Right? And then we're also seeing that you can peacefully protest. So here's what I'm thinking. To show our solidarity for Trump and to peacefully protest, take your tax documents, go into a government building and flush them down a toilet. I mean, think of the message that that sends. We can clog uh, toilets and then we create jobs for plumbers. Everyone likes American jobs. So we create jobs for plumbers. We show our solidarity with Trump and we tell the government what we think about taxes. I don't know, probably, you know, tomorrow's solution will be to how to have solutions that don't include things that, whatever, we're not on YouTube anyways. And uh, it's satire. All right. So uh, go check out the uh, Run Your Mouth podcast. There is a long weekend interview 
with a guy from Canada who had way too much information about everything that's going on over there. Uh, and then if you guys can stay tuned, we are going to take a break and I'm going to have a uh, new stream up shortly in about 15 minutes. I'm going to have myself some some breakfast. I got some leftovers from a Super Bowl party. We're going to do a short segment with Guy Swan. And then there'll be a one clean podcast out to, to later today. Um, I'm going to call it an episode and we'll take a couple comments and then we are done. We did it, everybody. This is from Michael, the dullest tool in the shed. Coinbase costs too much. I agree 100%. And with that, we're, uh, we're going to conclude this stream and we'll be back shortly with uh, Guy Swan. All right, and now we are on with Mr. Swan celebrating Valentine's Day together, making this bromance official. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Happy Valentine's Day. And to you as well. I'm uh, I'm a little disappointed you didn't send flowers, but, you know, I'll take crypto. Listen, okay, it's short notice and 1-800-Flowers, they had a backlog. You know, I should have I should have uh, I should have made the reservation weeks ago, but you know, we can still do something very nice. And uh, I have some I have some flowers here that I can send you a picture of. <laughs> Perfect. And you know, you know what's better than flowers? Anyone mm. listening? It's kilos of Kratom. That's what you should be sending your loved one. You had a yokratom.com, six dollars. All right. I was watching uh the Super Bowl the other day, and you had quite a few uh sponsors in the crypto space. Um you had Coinbase, you had um uh Weeble, which I think has some crypto going on on Weeble. Weeble. I don't even yeah, know I think they're another like platform. I think there's I could be wrong. They might just be stocks and bonds. Mm -hmm. Um, there was some app I never heard of. Um, with they actually had the best commercial of the entire Super Bowl with Larry David. Did you see that one? No, I hadn't seen any of them yet. All I saw was the little short clip of Coinbase or whatever, because like Bitcoiners Coinbase has kind of shed all over Bitcoin for like a long time, even though it's literally the only reason they have a business. Right. Um, and uh and they like really attacked it and shat all over the developers and everything during 2017 so there's like some animosity there so everybody was just finding it hilarious that they spent all this money for a super bowl commercial and then the qr code they put up there to get people to go to the website crashed in like 20 seconds oh that's great <laughs> so um to a 404 error so i'm curious though do you think that the crypto exchanges are engaged in like the equivalent of fractional reserve banking because i would think they must be Probably um, there's I mean, that's kind of the whole point of not your keys, not your coins. Right. Is that what you're holding with an exchange is a promise that, oh, yeah, we'll give you your Bitcoin if we ask for it. But I would bet with the number of people who who just trust their coins up there at any time that I, I would not bet that they were fully reserved. I just I just wouldn't. It would be a is there, bet, in my opinion. Is there a dumbass proof way of uh making a wallet? And what I mean by that is like I lose shit all the time. I told you before the show, I believe I threw out a thirteen hundred dollar cell phone. Or I remember people have told me like with nice sunglasses, I've said I would just lose and they're like, no, no, no. I'm they're like, I'm telling you, if you actually go buy them, you'll care about them and you won't. A friend of mine gave me like a pair of Ray-Bans. Within a month, I'd sat on them in the car and they were shattered. <laughs> Like I'm, I'm a child. I, I couldn't broadcast on Saturday because I left my computer cord in the office. I never, I felt like a seventh, like I was like, I'm the same person that couldn't get through school just yelling as an adult. That's it. I'm just louder and more arrogant, but I'm the same person who came like, by the way, this is why I have the skills I do in life. It's because you would leave the textbook at school. So then you'd have to lie to your parents and say that you didn't even have homework. 
right? And then you'd have to go back into school and lie about having mm. done the homework. And then you get really good at lying. And then you go into a podcast, pretend you know what you're talking about. That's how you have a career in life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you, what is there any my story is the exact same. <laughs> is there any way of backing up your crypto if it's on a cold wallet? Like, is there a personal like digital or like how do you make it so that you can't like what happens if you go senile you forget your password okay so um there's like a couple the the basic the most common standard for backing up and every wallet essentially will have it is a set of 24 words it is it's randomly generated from your key it's just an encoding of your key so it's equivalent to your keys which means that if somebody else has those 24 words they have your money um, like that, those keys are the money, <clears throat> but as long as you keep up with those 24 words and you don't give them to anybody else, it's your Bitcoin. Um, like you can memorize them. Um, uh, I've memorized keys in the past. Um, uh, you can put them behind a different, behind an additional password. If you want just for, you know, funsies, just have like a little pin number or something like that for added security or something. But basically all you need is that piece of information. You write it down in a couple different places, put it in a safe, give half of it to your sibling or maybe, you know, somebody you got a bromance with. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've always got that backup, like, for instance, but but with those keys, you can recover anything. I mean, like I was telling you that I'm sitting on a new phone right now um, is that's because my other one shit the bed and I had to recover like 22 wallets because I, I download like every single one of them and I play around with it and I put money into it and I just test. Um, and so I went through two weeks of just recovery. Um, but all my main ones have very efficient, like a very simple, like standard backup process. Right. It took me a couple minutes. Um, as long as I should words, you put it, you put it on a physical wallet, but it's got a digital backup. Um, oh, you mean if you're talking about like a hardware wallet yeah. or something like that, like one of these guys? Yes, uh, this guy has um, all of these actually have like just little paper backups that I have so that if I if I ever lose my Bitbox, I actually can just put the I can buy a new one and then just punch those numbers right back in it. I mean, excuse me, punch those 24 words back into it and it puts the same wallet right back up. Someone hit me up with a piece of equipment that looked fascinating and scammy at the same time which was i was complaining about not wanting to pay for heat anymore and so they sent me a link for a free space heater that essentially i uh, i guess plugs into your internet is mining crypto and then because that generates heat you get your heat for free and i guess the miner on the other end of it is probably keeping a percentage or all of the bitcoin that you're actually mining you sounds like it by chance yeah maybe i don't know there, is that legit a, or it seems like a fucking a scam of companies that are doing it heat bit in particular is the one that i almost bought and i still okay. actually buy for downstairs right um, but i don't want to be hanging on to it for two months while construction's going on right um, but uh, uh no it's uh in fact they don't i don't even think they take a percentage uh, maybe some of them do um but they're just selling basically old asics in the form of a heater um, and they boast, I don't really know the metrics on it specifically. Like I haven't tested it to confirm this, but they boast that for every watt of consumption it uses in order to, uh, in order to mine, it produces a watts worth of heat. So they've, they've seem to have prioritized the thing to create heat 
So you're creating heat at the exact same cost, but also mining Bitcoin. And then you just have an app that you can just see how much you're mining. Um, but uh, I mean, that's one of the that's one of the great uses for or alternative uses for ASICs. Like there's actually a company in I think it was in Sweden that's using them to warm greenhouses. <laughs> like they're literally mining Bitcoin to just keep their greenhouses warm for, you know, for inter, inter, uh, internal farming. I got to hit those guys up. Maybe I'll get them on uh, as a show sponsor. We'll have heat. We'll uh, do you personally mine any Bitcoin or you just uh, go out and earn it through your labor? I haven't in a while. Uh, earning is easier and more direct for me right now, but I in absolutely intend to get back into mining. I've mined on and off like for little reasons throughout the years, you know, over a decade. All right. So the reason I wanted to have you on was I was looking at the uh, protests that have been uh, seemingly quite successful out in Canada, even though they'll pretend like they're re-reviewing the science and new science has come in. Uh, it does seem like in some, I think they call them provinces in Canada. It just seems like the local governments yeah. in Canada are getting rid of some restrictions. Yeah. And I even think in America, the reason why we're shifting here is they're realizing like, oh, we really don't want to deal with the massive uprising. Yeah. Um, with that I being said, I, I, I thought it was fascinating when they specifically took that bridge and that that bridge was a critical piece of infrastructure that was actually costing money to big institutions in America like GM. Now, GM, not that like GM's got a better in with the government than Exxon, but it's still GM. Like, it, you know what I mean? Like politicians still there's a worker lobby there. They want American made cars like that is if there was a list of companies like, you know, senators are going to start getting the backs of and they don't want to see fucked with. It's that one. And Months ago, you were on the show. You did a I, the highlight piece still exists on Instagram on the so the book The Sovereign Individual and basically the economics of violence and labor unions. And I will hand it back to you because I tried reading the book and I found it boring, but I found your explanation of it fascinating. <laughs> but this specific instance seemed like a very good example of what you explained as the theory of that book. So I'll hand it back to you to maybe give us a little bit of an education here. All right. So the the fundamental argument being made in that book is that the real driver of history, that politics is basically downstream from technology. The real driver of history are the technologies that we invent and adopt. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> uh, that I got I got the I got the Rona, man. Do you really? all these protesters no i don't you got the ronas um, again didn't you already no. have it Free yeah clear. I, I, I don't have it i've just just congested this morning apparently dude omni's different because i definitely had delta i think i had the og mm -hmm. and i got the omni so but it, it it's not bad when you get it i haven't um i haven't had any issues since like i guess i got like three months ago four months ago something like that yeah you should still be immune but um <clears throat> uh so the the main the crux of the argument is that Technology that alters the trade-off for violence, the return on violent, being violent against your neighbor is the ultimate driver of our institutions, how we organize as a society, what kind of governance, governance actually is sustainable, and all of this. This is the ultimate tool, and this is why that you see throughout history some of these massive technolo technological shifts coincided like just just following massive um, or just prior to massive shifts in how governance works how actual government is set up and what is sustainable 
Um, and it's actually the they argue that the agricultural revolution is actually what led to the rise of governments because it was in hunter gatherer days. You couldn't have a giant overarching mafia that just confiscated from people. There wasn't enough value to confiscate the, the return to imprison somebody was nothing like people only had the value that they could carry on their backs because you traveled with your food. Um, and when agriculture came along, suddenly we could accumulate all of this wealth, but it was stuck. It was stuck to the ground. We built houses. We had families. We raised all of these animals and all of this farmland. And suddenly wealth was this massive static thing. And so somebody could come by with six or seven of his buddies and sticks and say, give us 10%. Give us 20%. And it was worth <clears throat> the return on that 20% by being willing to use those sticks against your neighbor was greater than there or was, excuse me, the return was greater, but the cost was less for the farmer to give up the 20% than abandon his whole life and pick up with his family and go somewhere else. And that ultimately altered, that led to the rise of governments. Um, and then the things that have changed that and changed what system of government we have are like the longbow, uh, gunpowder, uh, printing, the printing press, like all of these things that fundamentally altered how, it, how you could or could not control people and <clears throat> where we are today is really interesting because the internet is fundamentally a, an organizational tool and when people are able to organize i mean look at the, the massive organization of these protests that they're not even they wouldn't even broadcast on tv for a long time you know for like the first week or so that this was going on you would only hear about it if you got a message about it, you saw it on social media. It was only through alternative avenues that this was even news. Um, and because of that, it gives the people at the bottom, it gives the everyday person a way to organize that has really never been uh, a way to connect that has really never been accessible to them. Whereas people in political power and all this stuff, they've always been able to connect. You know, having the internet versus the you know having control over the telegraph system or whatever isn't a whole lot different for them it's like better sure but they were never not able to organize they were never co non not co coordinated with their actions right they were always in this big club where they could get communication out and get information if they needed it whereas the people at the bottom never had that opportunity you had to have this massive wealthy infrastructure to coordinate at that level and now we've got an even another even more critical piece of the puzzle. Encryption and digital money. Now that we actually have the ability to transfer value anywhere in the world and that we can hide our communication, we can have a private conversation over public channels and that we can privately send each other money over public channels and nobody can stop it. Nobody can read it. Nobody can steal it is fundamentally something that you go back 30 years is 100% impossible. All of these things are incredibly fresh inventions and they absolutely change the dynamic on violence. Like uh, I talked about like with the 24 words, like backing up your wallet, 
is that those 24 words, like I said, I could memorize those words. I could crush every hardware wallet in this house. I could throw my computer in the river. I could throw my phone in the river. I could strip down naked and I could walk across any country's border on this planet. And as long as I have those 24 words, I have all of my money. Like that is the, the dynamic for going back to the farmer example. What if he could sell it all for Bitcoin and walk away? What if he didn't have to leave all of his wealth? He could take it all with him in his head and take his family and set up shop somewhere else. And every single, every single sat of value that he had is still there. That is how Bitcoin is going to change this dynamic. And you're seeing it right now with the convoy. <clears throat> GoFundMe raised, like it was like 10 to $11 million. They froze the funds. They froze the funds and GoFundMe had the gall to think that they were going to put it to the charities that they wanted to, like literally just steal the funds before they just got lambasted with like, I think it was like, I was already reading like somebody had been collecting, it was like eight lawsuits were already like in works for being filed against them, um, which would have been great. I wish they had just done that. Um, <laughs> and uh I kept encouraging people. I kept retweeting. It's like, no, chargeback. Don't let them refund you. Chargeback. It cost them like $15 or $20 a pop. Um, and uh, so I know people were getting blasted. Uh, they were getting blasted with that too. Then give, send, go. Uh, Canada just, um, uh, Trudeau and uh, the Canadian authorities have just said that they're not going to let um, anything essentially across the border. The banking uh, infrastructure is where their censorship is. It's where their control is. So that's where they're saying Gibson Go will not be able to send funds. And now Gibson Go has been hacked. And um, uh, the website went down for a little time. And apparently the hackers have claimed that they have gigabytes and gigabytes of user data and it's been leaked. Like, I mean, and anybody who thinks that's not a government, that's uh, just like that's this is everything that they've been trying to do. Oh, so Gibson Go was going to process the money and you're saying a they, government they hacked said, it. They tweeted, they tweeted and said that you have no jurisdiction over us. Like right. We, we will donate to the charities that the people wish to donate to. Um, these are peaceful protesters. Um, we are not in Canada. You can't tell us that we can't send the money. Um, but they don't really have a great avenue either because they have to go to the Canadian banking system in order right. to get it to um, the people. And uh, there was another account, um, which it wasn't related to Gibson Go, but it had like Apparently, it was $1.4 million in donations that sent to some organizing group in the convoy. Also frozen, confiscated by the Canadian. So what's the crypto party. route? Quit teasing us. <laughs> Bitcoin has raised, there's 21 Bitcoin so far in a tally coin. Um, uh, so how do I contribute? I'm, I'm, I'm so, what, I go Bitcoin. to tally, but there's I just no, go to, no I, go to I go to tallycoin.com and I just send them some of my Bitcoin. It's it's tallyco.in. Um, right. There's one called Honk Honk Holdel, I think is the. Ooh, I love that. The, the name. Um, uh, but if you just search it on Twitter, you'll find it. Uh, but the link just takes you straight there. And it's not understand Tallycoin is a is a web face like it's, it's just a front face for the web. They actually don't hold any coins. You're actually sending it directly to people who are organizing with the convoy. Nice. So, this is this is as if you send it from your pocket to their pocket, dude. I'm gonna Nobody send some fucking tally coins. Hopefully, they buy yeah. some sandwiches. Um, They're doing uh, the Lord's and, work. Uh, uh, there's a guy, um, nobody caribou. 
has been updating on what's been going on on the ground. Um, and now that it looks like Trudeau is actually going to enact emergency powers um, to treat this like a war situation. Um, it's a little scary. Um, so they're, they're going to need funds. Any help that can be provided, I know, is greatly appreciated. I've already thrown a few thousand dollars that way, and I, I might do it again. Um, but uh, literally, he's, apparently there's discussions that they're going to um, enact the emergency, emergency Powers Act, I believe, which the last time this was uh, uh, enforced or, or enacted uh, was when a politician was kidnapped and murdered and they're doing this over a peaceful protest where no one has been injured and nobody's attacked or broken or done anything um it's insane well it's an emergency because they can't they can't can't stop it and they can't paint nice polite uh canadians Mm -hmm. as white american racists yeah and so they have Mm -hmm. no way to they, they have no way to backtrack this like that's their one card and they're like shit it's not working there's too much camera footage of even the cops being like hey they're pretty cool uh <laughs> and so now they don't know what to do um going back to my initial question though i do remember that there was a piece in the book about uh part of why unions were so successful is that like if you're yeah, if you're let, let's just say general motors and you own a plant it's very easy for like those workers to basically if like they run a strike at the plant Right. Like you can't very easily move your business. You are kind of it like they have good leverage. It was mm-hmm. basically a, a piece uh, about almost the leverage of certain like, uh, I guess, a, a workers versus like, I, I mean, it's a little bit almost Marxist of like looking at these groups as different classes. But it was kind of a um, whether or not you did have uh the leverage of, of like violence, because for example, with the factory, if I go burn down general motors factory, they're fucked. Right. Like, mm-hmm. whereas like a Coinbase, if you were to take out Coinbase's office, it probably, they probably don't need that much physical infrastructure to keep on running. Right. Or yeah. if like I'm a marketing company, it's going to be more my intellectual capital. Once again, mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal. I, uh, and so, I mean, like I said, I didn't love the book. I loved your explanation of the book and then I read it. So I didn't capture everything, but there definitely was a piece in there about how in certain environments, um, like he almost looked at everything from a perspective of like the leverage of who can apply violence in any like given time, yeah. uh, which in this I case, it's a brilliant thesis. I, I think it's, I think it is the proper way to look at the dominant forces that make society. Like after reading that book, I was just, I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. I thought about it for weeks. Because in this case, you have workers who peacefully have taken a bridge that is costing a lot of money to like real companies that have political power, which is the kind of thing that like it, like that can force a change. Now, what, what's what's scary about this outlook is like for legal reasons, I don't firstly, I don't want to go out there and do anything violent. Like, I just don't like violence. And I don't think we're going to win. I don't think like ever increase. You know what I mean? It's like the more we spook them, the more they're going to lash back. So it's actually not like a. uh um, almost like the winning piece of it is like, is there so much ease in which you can do it and like that it's not that costly that like they just realize like, oh, we're losing here. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I necessarily articulated that. Uh, in this case, it would be interesting, though, because I guess if people in, 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 were to engage in more peaceful protests like this bridge, which almost comes down to what is critical infrastructure that if people were to peacefully protest at would actually be like really really damning to critical industry of 
uh, you know, basically the political elites, that that's how you enact change. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a pretty incredible way to put pressure on the situation. And what's funny, you talk about like violence doesn't really work um, is uh, I, I agree. Um, I tend to agree because violence is kind of the what's the what's the I think it's Rothbard what's the number I, one thing you're trying to avoid is the health of the state. Right. Like, if you're being violent, you're just you're giving them the tools they need to justify their existence, to justify their control. So right right now, if the protesters were violent, there's, you know, half of the people or fuck all of the people who are on the fence about whether or not to support the truckers right now would see the enacting of the emergency act as like, OK, well, yeah, they're being violent, like even if it was justified violence. The very nature of like, this is why civil disobedience is the most powerful tool because it does not, it, it costs them resources. It costs them value and authority and trust as well. It makes them look bad without actually giving them the perception of being, allowing them the perception of being the good guys. That if, as soon as, as soon as there's somebody violent in the mix and they can portray the whole thing as like a bunch of violent lunatics, well, then even if you agree with their cause, you got to be like, oh, well, they got violent, you know, like they're, they're, they're you know, you got to put it down, you got to stop them. And that's what the government's here for. It's to stop violence and make everybody peaceful, but, you know, put them in chains, but all right we did it thank you so much for uh joining us we're daily now so uh maybe we'll uh reach out more as the the big bitcoin topics come in we're not quite daily i think we're monday to thursday and then fridays i'm hungover and then it's the weekend so i've seen it pop up in my feed a lot more yeah i didn't know i think we're gonna be i think we're gonna be monday to thursday and then hopefully weekend deep dives uh so appreciate you coming on why don't you plug uh everywhere people can find you yeah yeah bitcoin audible I'm on uh, I'm the guy Swan on Twitter. Um, there are a lot of fake guy Swans. They're not real. I'm the I'm the guy Swan. The guy Swan and official. Uh, and Bitcoin Audible is uh, the podcast. We talk about all sorts of things, uh, and it's Bitcoin related. There you go. Related. All comes together. All right. Have a great day, buddy. Appreciate it. Hey, you too, dude. I was able to track down a real life Canadian trucker. You know, actually not a trucker. I was able to track down a real life Canadian. They're a rare breed. Uh, and uh, so first is I'll welcome you to the show. I don't know. What do you want to go by? I know uh, you live in a dystopian nightmare up there in Canada. The cops will come to your door. They'll uh, take you away. So <laughs> what, what do you want to go by for the broadcast? Oh, like you said, uh, not a trucker, but I am a mechanic. So we can just go by like MC or something like that. All right, we've got Mr. MC over here. Yeah. And uh, Mr. MC, listener to the Run Your Mouth podcast, he uh, sees the way that I'm half informed on some of these issues. And so he took the time to accumulate some really great materials and give us some information from what's going on in the ground uh, in Canada. Uh, and sadly, I'm a putz. We all know that I'm a putz. And I spent the last hour going through what he'd sent me, organizing it. And now I realize I don't have my computer cable. Uh, so this can be a rush job. This is now a new segment where we're going to see if we can fly through all these videos in 20 minutes, and then we're going to set up a new stream and have a longer conversation about it, perhaps. Uh, but to set up a little bit of context, firstly, I really appreciate that you took the time and put together everything that you sent over my way. Yeah. Uh, at first, I was actually annoyed, where I was like, why the fuck is this guy giving me so much homework? He's supposed to be a guest on my show, and he, like, why do I have to go watch all these materials? Uh, but then when I saw the treasure trove, I was like, holy shit, there's some good stuff in here. You made it uh, get through eight minutes. 
Yeah. So before we dig in, I'm curious, uh, like what, where did the passion come from? Like, where are you getting most of this stuff? Is this actual some footage from your camera or just things that you've seen online? Cause you did a pretty good job here of organizing this stuff. This has just been a combination of, for the most part, Twitter, um, definitely a, a few different reporters, whether on Twitter or other platforms. Uh, just this is one of the most inspiring thing about this is they can't hide it. There's hundreds of YouTube live streams of everything that's going on constantly. They can spin what they want, but but I guess, like you said, um, I think it's kind of funny. I think probably the first moment that really got me skeptical about some of the COVID stuff was actually on the Real Ass podcast. In, uh, it was something like January when uh, all the, the videos of people just collapsing in China were showing up and Zach, uh, he had uh, told to bring up a compilation with music behind it of all the people just completely dropping dead seemingly or just passing out in random places. It's something that we obviously haven't seen anywhere else in the world. So like in retrospect, just there are, there's been writing on the wall every single point of the way through this. And basically just like, I've, I've had a lot of sympathy for Australia for most of this because they've beyond had the worst of measures, et cetera, whatever. But uh, Canada is certainly uh, challenging them for <laughs> at least- For uh, most dystopian. <laughs> especially, like, I mean, Australia has opened up a lot. Like, Obviously, if you're unvaccinated, there's it's going to be tough in a lot of places. But I, I most people knew that pretty much from before. Or no, it was a little bit after Christmas to uh, most of the way. Like it was I believe potentially this Monday that even if you were vaccinated, you lost all the privileges that you got from being vaccinated in Ontario, at least. And oh, wow. <laughs> this video feed is going to go out long before we get into a single one of these videos. OK. Um, why don't we just play a few of these and sure. then we can continue the chat on the, no uh, on the other side. So the first one I'm going to play for everybody. And also it does sound like you're talking in a tunnel, but yeah. I assume that's the only <laughs> way that, uh, people in Canada can, uh, they got to go into tunnels just so they can get some internet connection. So the first is, is everyone's trying to paint that the truckers have been violent or otherwise. Let's hear what a cop on the ground had to say about the situation. Sure. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm down here with a police officer in Ottawa. How are you doing today? Doing great. How's it been down here? Uh, nothing but good. People are super good. The truckers have been uh, having a good time. They've been getting their point across. And you know what? It's a beautiful city that we're in, and uh, they can't ignore all of this. All right. So there we go. It doesn't seem like the cops are dealing with a bunch of violent racists. Uh, this video, we're actually we're going to come back to because that one's yeah. going to be easy for me to refine. Yeah. Um, but this was a good showcasing of the world leaders in Canada. I believe maybe this is your version of this, Fauci. No, this is for specifically Ontario, but they're one of the major holdouts at this point. They were the ones who, after a number of provinces have already walked back, just basically came out and said, we don't plan on changing a thing. And then quite shortly after, here you are. All right, let's play it. I don't know why I bring all these papers. I never look at them. Oh, you give me numbers. I do. I go, oh, oh, oh. Did you really say that? <laughs> I just say whatever they write down for me. That's why you're There you go. Admitting to being a TV actor. You put the information in front of me. I'll just say it. And uh, let's not forget that hot mics might have brought down the COVID regime in the UK mm -hmm. as it was the hot mic from the lady in parliament that um, 
exposed the fact that they were throwing those parties and didn't quite care. And if you want to know about the world leaders not caring, here's another gem that you sent our way about Trudeau and how much he truly cares about the environment. Let's give this a quick watch. You and your family do to cut back on plastics. Uh, we uh, uh, we have uh, recently switched to drinking uh, water bottles out of uh, water out of uh, when we have water bottles uh, out of a plastic. Uh, sorry, away from plastic towards uh, paper, um, like drink box water bottles, sort of things. What in heaven's name are you talking about? All right, we're really this going to be a fly through. We're going to fly through everything yep. I had here, and then we're going to continue the conversation on a new stream. Now, they were trying to say that this was fringe, right? That these were random racists out in Canada. And so let's take a look at some of the evidence of the widespread support that exists. This first is a clip of uh, kids that left messages to truckers. Hold on, I'm from Alberta, and I just want to say, you guys are awesome. Keep on trucking. Good night, truckers. Thank you. To Santa Canada, truckers. I got a little guy here that wants to say something to the truckers. All right. And to showcase more of the widespread support, here's people from the entire town doing their part to try and get truckers fuel. Not quite. Not quite. This this was when they were told they were not allowed to resupply. Anyone who was caught resupplying, giving resources at all would be arrested. This is people showing up with empty cans to say, fuck you. But there you go. But it's the widespread support. Absolutely. Absolutely. How many individuals are here? Uh and these are not truckers. These are just you oh, know no, no. Joe Schmoes out in khaki pants. Thousands of people are showing up every weekend. And here we can showcase a couple more of these uh, videos of the fuel rebellion. That might have been the same one. Same well one, done. Yeah. That's a well. This is the same. This one is. It's a short one. I think it was to the left, the tab to the left that you had. And then, well, here you can just see how many individuals are actually out in the streets supporting the truckers, getting involved in the movement. And then this last one showcases diverse voices coming out to learn about what the movement's about and realizing, hey, I kind of support this. Let's give this one a listen as well. Downtown called Sungi Fitness. I, my business has not been interrupted by any of what's been going on with the protest. I am in full support of the protest because I've actually taken the time to come down and speak to these people, get to know them, get to know why they're here and hear their stories, which is what a lot of people aren't doing. I believe that most people that are just put spewing out hate and all this ugly language towards these truckers, those are the people who are staying at home and not making the effort to come downtown and talk to these people. There you go. You just got to get to know them. You get to know them. You realize these are good people. They're here for freedom. And then cool. we're going to watch two more videos quickly, quickly. And then everyone just give me 10 minutes. We'll have a new stream up on a uh, different computer. And I'll just say one thing for that last video. He then later discusses how he brings his mother down, who has only been watching the news and whose opinion completely changed. Surprise, surprise, by actually talking to some of them. Isn't that amazing? If you just see something firsthand, you're just like, oh, that was a lie. What they told me was a lie. Kind of like 
you discovered by actually getting COVID, if you're a healthy individual, you're probably not going to die of it. You most likely will be survived. You know what I mean? It's like amazing how the second you have any firsthand. All right. So uh, slightly disjointed here, but uh, we just ran through a few of the videos that MC sent over my way. He's a real life Canadian. So we're going to get some of the uh, reports from what's actually going on on the ground. Uh, and let's start with, I've been on the road. I did a gig up in, uh, Rhode Island with Justin Silver and uh, BK Chris. So I'm actually not up to date on the news. Did they end up uh, clearing the bridge? Uh, they're thoroughly in the process of doing it. I, I've, it's kind of hilarious what you can tell just by looking at Google Maps traffic information. But right. they, they thoroughly still, everything's closed. They're, they're pushing them back. But. So how are they even doing it? Did they just like send in the army and take over trucks and start driving them off the bridge? Or how no. do they manage to... No, people it seems to be somewhat voluntary. Like they, they got that injunction that they like, who thought that wasn't going to go through and basically just got to the point where they're telling them like, we're just like, we're going to take your licenses. We're going to take your insurance. We're going to just do everything. And for the most part, a few people seem to start to trickle out. And then seemingly the cops just kind of slowly walked forward over time and have, pushed people back like they seem to be not on the bridge anymore but they're they're still and other people supporting too like at the intersection somewhat nearby like it's not clear like they're they're going to accomplish their goal but so has ottawa been cleared at all or it's no, just the bridge no, not like they and it, it they're really showing that they can't it doesn't seem like they can legally do much in ottawa like the, the until they pull whatever they want to. But, like, obviously, and this is where it, it's conflicting because the border blockades have certainly got their attention. And especially for a couple of days when people were trying to spin it as, oh, well, just no one's showing up to uh, seem like what, what seems to be happening is people are showing up in mass on the weekend. During the week, people who are somewhat nearby can show up and do whatever they want. But the, the real crowd show up on the weekend. And uh, one of the videos that um, that we, we talked about yesterday, I don't know if you're going to be uh, including some of that stuff, but uh, that was one of the cops uh, speaking on the day that people were rolling in. Like at that point, nothing's happened. Not, uh, at least like the public frustration wasn't there yet. And yeah, I mean, you know, they can say there's a few bad apples. Like it, this has been like statistically one of the most peaceful protests that's probably ever existed ever. <laughs> right. I don't think there's a question about that, but uh, like they, they literally had to back down from everyone is a racist to like, like people are pissing on stuff. Like <sighs> just how they've had to walk back. The criticism has, has been phenomenal. And I, I think some of the stuff, like a few of the things that I would hear at work that was just <sighs> not infuriating, but just, just utterly annoying. Um, I, I keep, my opinion, somewhat quiet. Most, uh, probably 60, 70% of people kind of have bought into this. And like uh, most people have observed, a lot of people just don't really fucking care. <laughs> they, they do what they have to. But um, but just hearing some of the comments of this is, like, and I know you got the same comment of this is just being, uh, this is just right-wing money laundering. This is just going to go nowhere. This is just utter bullshit. GoFundMe signed off that that wasn't happening. The, w w when they initially, quote-unquote, froze the funds, GoFundMe came out, and people weren't talking about it, but GoFundMe came out and said it is a standard policy when they have a huge campaign to get, like, 
they have to have appropriate books. They have to have accountants. They have to have lawyers. And the convoy did that. They worked with them. And within a few days, they released that first million dollars. They, like they signed off that things were on the up and up. Like go, I don't, and just, it's, it's hilarious because everyone, oh, they're just going to steal us. Does anyone think that the CRA, like our version of the IRS, isn't going to comb through every fucking penny of this just to stick it to these people? Like, these people are going to have to be such goody two-shoes to not get hit with, like, January 6th equivalent stuff, which they already are. Like, they and they know they're going to be hit with that. But just, like, GoFundMe didn't – they walked back or just they – and I guess there was some mis- misinformation there, too, where um, – misinformation i'm using their fucking terms when it hit 10 million i guess that was just a number that uh, just rubbed them the wrong way they decided that this is going to ruin their reputation and they straight up said that in their uh, in their statement that uh, to uphold our reputation as they go to like just th- they had to back out just for their own company's sake it wasn't that anything was being like funds were not being misappropriated they were not going like, they released funds because they were okay with what the freedom convoys they literally had to incorporate and provide books for all of this stuff. And so they, they do what they want to do. And they initially said that what they were going to do was you could request a refund or the money that was left there would be donated to a charity that the organizers agreed with, but also like the approved list. Like what would that have been like? Right. So, uh, and I got to give Tim pool some props for this. Cause I, I don't know if someone else came up with the idea before him, but uh, pretty much when that was happening and like go fraud me was, was, uh, was, uh, trending on Twitter, uh, go fun or sorry. Uh, Tim pool said, uh, no, don't, don't request a refund, request a chargeback that hits them with like a 10, $15 fee. What's a chargeback. Just wait, like, um, when you tell your credit card, credit card to that, cancel it. Right. Yeah, that they didn't provide and services were not rendered. There's right. no question about that. Right. And that's to discourage, uh, merchants from, defrauding people right so and you had upwards of 120,000 people who have donated to that right who knows like no one i'm sure they're the only ones who actually know but within a few hours of that they tweeted well we're going to be automatically processing refunds so don't worry about that and who knows there there was also apparently some questioning of uh gofundme's terms of service whether they hit the organizers with any chargeback fees or anything like that right so I know uh, I po- couldn't possibly know anyone who might have donated, uh, told people to be cautious, at least for the first few days. Just just don't panic. See, see where this goes. Let's not fuck over the people who are trying to uh, to help this end. But it seemed like GoFundMe just proactively took it and people got the refunds. I, I, I can right. personally tell you from anecdotes that the refunds got they got given out. They didn't steal the money. But- it would have theoretically have been interesting because I. Uh- it sounds like, firstly, there's something really funny about them going, hey, this is one of the most important bridges. And two, it's like, you might not want to broadcast that. I feel like if I was, if I was a terrorist, I'd be like, oh, that's oh. the fucking bridge to hit. Like, And I guess there's not even that much security there. Uh, so it was odd to me that like the level of them just being like, this is one major artery and we really need this thing. And like, why don't you have more bridges then? Like, it doesn't even seem like it's that big of a bridge. Like, it, No, and it didn't even seem like, I'm not in, like, once again, this is something that I think a lot of people know now. There will never be another protest like this again. Like, this is going to change policing. Like, they're going to have 
they're gonna have to have all their seminars and shit like that just to deal with like how like because that's apparently like what they're struggling with is just like in ottawa like they don't have any protocols for how do you clear like how do you tear gas people who are 40 feet away from each other right like, in trucks and blah blah, blah and, like just it, it's a logistical nightmare for them everyone knows that they've pulled they, they've called in some like high level emergency consulting company like the city of ottawa like they, they just right. can't do anything and uh and so um one of the videos that i uh sent to you yesterday was literally from last night i know people who went uh, who went yesterday and uh i was i was potentially going to go but had a little bit of a situation here so couldn't end up got got pictures got anecdotes and there's video and the, the video i sent you it it was the was one of the biggest parties <laughs> you've ever seen oh nice it's that like you can hear it through the shitty phone audio how loud the like i mean let's we'll be empathetic to the people who are having to live through this but it's yeah no it, it was just a a massive massive party and god forbid is this, this is a rebel news uh a journalist who is recording this who walks up to a like she this is a 30 minute video that she posted last night of just walking through the crowds in like in there are like distributed packs of hundreds, if not thousands of people in different areas, like separate parties. And right. Like and she walks up to a cop and asks, so how's it going? And he straight up said, like, no, there's, I mean, actually, uh, if, if I just played, no, no, I get, don't worry. Let's say you could potentially insert it or whatever. But the, the audio from it is very interesting because for just how the, the reporting that everyone's harassing everyone, people are scared to leave their house. They're, they're apparently organizing chaperone groups so that people can leave their, uh, their houses and feel safe. Like, I, I mean, obviously like there are some people that have a very soft skin, but for the most part, I mean, three weeks ago, if people were walking down the street and uh, were like, we're just, just, they're making fun of people wearing masks outside. <laughs> <laughs> like, is that really that ridiculous at that point? Like, yes, it's a lot of, like, I get it, that some people, like, are just, yeah, I don't know. Now, I would love to, if there was a way for me to get this information, but for the FBI not to get this information, mm -hmm. I would love to see the review of how the hell did they organize this? Like, how did they manage to, I, I guess there must be some sort of, like, a trucker union, nope. and then, it, no, it's no, like, I, I, how, how did this come together that this many truckers were like, all right, we're doing it. And like, just kind of got off the ground, showed up kind of, they all have their talking points. They all know the message. They're all behind it. Like, how did this thing come together? As far as I can tell, um, it kind of started from like, I I'm sure there, like there were, there's a group of people and right. uh, that, that are absolutely the organist, but th they did not have the support initially that they have now. Like, it, it seemed like it started from the GoFundMe that I, I was seeing on a few different sites a week or two before Canadian trucker convoy. We're going to Ottawa, blah blah this and that. Way before anyone was was hearing about this. this is like some of the like kind of Reddit alternative sites that uh, that that are allowed to cover some of this stuff. So a, as it was kind of coming up, I I kind of kept seeing it and I clicked on it. And I know, like, I, the Saturday before it happened, I clicked on the GoFundMe, and it was at a million and a half. Right. But it was just Elon Musk trying to shut down GM. That's what everyone exactly. knows. He looked exactly. at GM. He's like, how do I keep these guys from getting their car parts so we can pull ahead? He shuts down the bridge. And uh, 
That's the mischievous nature of these billionaires. Well, I mean, if that was Elon, he pulled his, his thing out because Liar.com uh, rescinded their, their request. But that is amazing because I actually, when people were uh, speculating whether that was Elon or not. Um, I mean, oh, I just, I just pulled that one out of my ass just now. Oh, I didn't even know people were saying that. But the, one of the, the top donation on the GoFundMe before it got pulled was for $42,000 and 69 cents. Okay. it was made by a donator called Liar.com. And that's a single Bitcoin, essentially. That's what that sounds like. Uh, I think that was in Canadian, so that would have been oh, okay. Like I, whatever. It, it, I don't believe that was. I don't think uh, GoFundMe takes Bitcoin. But um, you, you can't. When a domain is registered, you can do what is called a who is lookup. Right. It, people used to have to register websites to their own personal addresses. Now there's services to just kind of anonymize that that process. But in looking, I just wanted to see if there was just some hilarious. Easter egg that potentially it was uh, that because he did do that uh, Canadian truckers rule tweet. And I mean, people forget he is actually a Canadian citizen. <laughs> like he went to university and stuff here. So I, oh, I didn't even know that about Elon. Yeah. yeah. He went to Queens university. So lived, lived here for a portion of his life. So it's not, this is not just rebellious type of stuff. I'm sure there's a little bit of patriotism from his front, but, uh, but basically whoever someone registered liar.com, they paid for that for 10 years. And uh, you know what? We can just let anyone who wants to go to liar.com go to liar.com. Why? What, what's there? Links to Justin Trudeau's Wikipedia page. Oh, that's pretty great. Um, when is the next election cycle? And like, does Trudeau have a chance at, you know, remaining at his post? Or will he almost certainly get thrown out? We just had a federal election months ago. And he got reelected. So he's got a long time left. So, theoretically, he's got four-ish years, but right. he already had a minority government that wasn't able to accomplish anything. They held a snap election because they can do that here, right? And people were angry at it because it essentially it apparently cost the Canadian taxpayers six hundred million dollars to do this election. And of right. course, the criticism of like, you're making us have an election in a pandemic, blah, blah, this and that, which like, okay, like, I don't necessarily agree with some of those arguments, but I'll occasionally use them if, if you're going to buy into them. But, uh, but essentially, we had this whole election and something like four or five seats out of like 230 MPs actually changed, like nothing changed, like right. actual like seat quantity changed for them, but they're back in. But, uh, but so I mean, we, so you're saying Trudeau amongst all amidst all this is actually still kind of popular. No, I mean the conservative candidate was such a just plain, just nothing moderate that just the conservatives were voting for him because he wasn't Trudeau. And actually, uh, it was interesting because uh, the conservative he one of these trucker organizers. These guys can talk the talk. Oh yeah, well the the conservatives did actually win the popular vote. I'm not we're not gonna go down the rat rabbit hole, but we've got right. our own equivalent of uh, uh, what am I what am I thinking of? Uh, just like for uh, Trump, like we don't. No, we we just don't have like uh, populist voting. Like it, that's not the right term. But um, the, the conservatives won the popular vote, but the liberals won with a minority of like forty something or other thing like that. But um, I, I think one of the like he got, there is absolutely support for him. And there's still a lot of people that think we're not too far away from this. Just 
get through, like we get our boosters, we're good. We'll just like, like most people don't care about this. I empathize with that so much. Like I hate half the time that I've become a fucking COVID encyclopedia. It's fucking annoying. Like you almost have to like hold yourself back. It's like to not be that guy. But, uh, right. but I, I think like just one of the major issues that I also, and is currently like that's being used to bastardize this is by saying 90% of Canadians are vaccinated. 90% of truckers are vaccinated. That is very technically true because Canada and it's seemingly a number of provinces, the ones that still have them have come out and said they are, at least now, because they've all flip-flopped on this shit, so who knows, they are not planning on making the third, the booster, part of the passport for being fully vaccinated. Okay. So somewhere in the like high 80s of Canadians have had both of their shots. Right. Now, if you look at the charts of when it, happened when they instituted the passports in September and all of the schools, all the universities and the schools managed everything. It was just a wee bit more uptake there. But if you look at the booster numbers, there is not a single province in Canada that has over 50% boosters. That's still, that's still pretty high compliance. So essentially 90% of the country got the original two shots and now 50% are getting the boosters. Uh, no, it's less than that. In in Ontario and Quebec, you have 40-ish. And I, I've attached a, I attached a picture to that. But you end up having 30s in most of just the middle, like, you guess, just uh, our more rural uh, provinces, stuff like that. Like, you, in, in the bigger cities, you have a little bit higher, but it's still not touched 45% in most places. Right. That's, that's not a, like... And, I, and I've talked to quite a few people. This does come up. And a huge sentiment is like the people, like most people are eligible for the boosters at this point now. Like uh, where, where, like they, they're all walking it back like six months, three months, whenever the fuck you want. Like most people, if they wanted, could get it. And I know a lot of people have basically uh, gone between I won't get it to uh, I'm certainly not until they force me. Right. And seemingly there's been enough time that's gone by and just apparently like logistically they just couldn't really make the booster mandatory because you'd have people that would just not be eligible stuff for months and blah blah blah. like just it would shoot them in the foot and almost all the provinces at least are talking about plans to wind the stuff back now that's all nice and good but the guys aren't going to leave till I wouldn't be surprised if they actually want some level of uh, amendment to our constitution that some of these things can't be done again. Cause like, well, that's what I loved about Trudeau's last one where he was like, all right, you know, we hear you. So it's time for you to go home and, uh, you know, we'll go deal with it. And it's like, no, no, no we're past you just being like, we're going to like, no, no, no. I want to guarantee like we will leave when you guarantee that freedom has been restored and that there will be no forced vaccinations or enforcement of these policies. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I, and this will be a good thing to close out on. What's your forecast here? As, a, as our Canadian expert, our delegate, speaking for all of Canada, do you think Trudeau's going to walk it back? Do you actually think they're going to change up the laws here, say, oh, look, we uh, re-reviewed the science, and apparently we don't need forced vaccinations. Like, what do you, what do you actually think is going to happen here? I think almost all the provinces are going to on their well are going to walk things back significantly. Some already have, but uh, I do think that whether just for political saving face between Justin Trudeau and his just weaselly little transport minister, 
they really, really want. They've talked about this interprovincial passports. Like, I guess, uh, just I don't want to go on too long. I know you're trying to wrap up, but we're the only one of the only countries in the world that does not allow domestic air travel for unvaccinated. Okay. I can't fly. I, I can't fly to any other province. I can't right. use any interprovincial train. I guess I just kind of admitted uh, my status, of course, but <laughs> so you have to drive. Yeah, and if you wanted to get into the U.S., well, you couldn't. I, you believe technically you couldn't, and the only way to get out of the country legally right now is to either take a boat or charter a private jet. Nice, but you got Which that is, kind of money working yeah. on trucks. Yeah, <laughs> and seeing as that's legitimately a violation of the UN uh, Human Rights Code, I mean, not that anyone gives a shit about that in government. Right. Like the right to freely travel between any other UN country is in the Human Rights Act of the, like the, the, that isn't even a situation of, well, this is a private court like they, they, they can like cause we, all of our transport shit's all like semi-nationalized and shit like that. So, well, they have control. No, no, the government is not allowed to do that. And that and there are actual constitutional arguments that are being brought up in court. And but like they take a while. Yeah, and which sucks. Like I said, this there's prob this is probably going to be the last time that this type of protest could happen. So the guys who are saying we're more than happy to get arrested were like they're they're staying. And then the Trudeau's gonna hold out for a while and things can get interesting, but the federal stuff, I think I I, I have no call. But sorry. All right. So uh last thing and I'll I'll play this video, but uh we can talk about it first and then I'll play that video to kind of close it out. Um Luckily, it does seem like the truth comes out and it seems that people uh, are almost getting inspired by the sacrifice of the truckers. And, uh, you know, hopefully more people in more fields kind of come forward, make statements or refuse to work. Uh, it's interesting because it seemed like pilots in America said no on this stuff. Oh, yeah. um, you had sent me actually uh, um, a meme. I don't know the accuracy of it, but that the cops uh, in Ottawa had uh, – previously protested that they weren't going to do a oh, yeah. forced vaccination mandate and they, they had won exact. it. Yep. The people right. who are oppressing the people who are fighting for the exact same thing they did. Right. Ah, well, just... But then what becomes interesting about that is that there is um, like uh, an economics of violence, which is like, are those cops actually going to go be violent towards truckers that are fighting for exact, like, do they like how much do you have to pay a cop that he's actually going to go kick the shit out of some trucker who he might like that generic, like there might be some sociopath cops that want to do that, but I'm willing to bet that most don't. I, well, this is where I'd say if I, if anyone's being honest, I think this is, this is a very, very split uh, just topic. I like if I would not be surprised if it's probably 50, 50. Right. So yeah, I, I mean, and like, there are a lot of really good cops. We all know that, there's the other end of that spectrum too and a wide variety of opinions on on all of this so all right so the last video we're going to play is uh it seemed like american frontline doctors was in front of and maybe you can give me a little context to uh where you had found this video um but it seems like uh senator ron johnson was holding some sort of a hearing or something about covid covid information mm -hmm. and he had a nurse from it seemed like american frontline doctors now american frontline doctors just to give like a full picture here and kind of be the only place where you can get unbiased information mm -hmm. um they're on the other side of this thing and they're making money and uh, just to explain <laughs> yeah. 
I when I got ivermectin, I had to spend $110 through American Frontline Doctors. I was a 10 minute call. They got me a, a script. Now, great for them. I'm all for business. Dude, I'm yep. all for business. They've got medications that they're saying we're willing to get to you. They've put up financial risk to make it happen. They think mm-hmm. that the stuff works. God bless. They're getting it done. It's under the guy, Peter Corey. And they've made claims as bold as that, like 90% of the COVID deaths that have happened. Maybe it's 80%. I forget the number, but like a lot of the deaths could have been prevented mm-hmm. if we had been using like the hydroxychloroquine and the ivermectin. You don't even have to go that far. It's it's simpler than that. It's that uh, one of the things that has come out is uh, people when they were getting pneumonia or whatever thing, their oxygen level in their blood was dropping, not their right. lung function. So right. what should have been done was they should have been given oxygen. That's what any nurse would have done under any other circumstance. But they were initially worried when they were still trying to figure out whether it was transmitted through droplets or aerosolization. They were nervous that if they had people breathing oxygen tanks, that they may through some be dispersing the virus through the air, which it turns out they were. So it right. just and just and in doing that, they like because they said we're not going to give people oxygen. They literally the treatment protocol. There was wait till you get so bad that you you should never have needed to be on a ventilator but we let you get to the point where you were so your lungs were so poorly functioning that you have to put it on and at that point just once your lungs are atrophied to the point where they cannot operate that like the, the the elasticity completely disappears and or what's the quote it's like something like 90 to or 80 to 90 percent of people who are put on ventilators died right and the, the, like let maybe let you have a policy for a few weeks where you're not doing that. But doctors and nurses were, were all over YouTube saying like, we're fucking killing people with this protocol. We need to change this. And they were censored and canceled and licenses were pulled. And this was like three months into the pandemic. We already had examples of, and then, and then they flipped their tune entirely to where like, Oh no, we actually don't need ventilators anymore. We don't need like Tesla and Ferrari to fucking manufacture ventilators for us. They can all grandstand in their marketing departments, but just, and and this is something that I remember the first time I heard it, it was such a, a polarizing moment for this whole deal where um, what the requirements for an emergency use authorization are, one of the key ones, and that is that there is no other suitable treatment. That is the reason why they had to bastardize hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and everything else, other pre- early preventative treatments that they knew existed. They had to just completely deny any effectiveness so that they could bulldoze through the most of like, can you imagine a better business situation than to have a governmentally mandated subscription service for the biggest consumer base, right? Almost in the, in the world. So getting back to the, the, the hearing though. So we've got someone from American frontline doctors and just to give a full picture here, Um, It could be that these were the only people who stepped up, had it right, and made medications that people needed available. Or it could be, hey, they're in in business, they're they're making money. The memos were out there, and this is available of a a number of – and I'm sure this – No, but I'm just trying to make one – I'm trying to make one point that while I personally use that service and I'm about to introduce information that I believe to be accurate to give a full picture here, this is not – Yes. Yeah, this is not like 
I, 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 this isn't a government watchdog or a government official turning. It's the one people that are making money, uh, making these other medications available. So they're also a business and they also do have a profit incentive. And so it could be that they have it right, or it could be that they have it wrong. Same as Ted Kennedy with his book. Yeah. He made a lot of money off of a, what you might be able to call a conspiracy book. And there's always going to be demand for conspiracy products. Mm -hmm. So it could be that that is a brilliant book that has a lot of information, right? Mm -hmm. Or it could also be that people like conspiracy products and he wrote a really good conspiracy book. Absolutely. And this is is a subjective call, but I, maybe I'm naive for this, but when you listen to her talk, I don't know if I believe that this is a woman who is completely lying through her teeth. I have family members who are in, or in nursing, and I have, I understand some of the terms. She's not, she's certainly not talking out of her ass. I'm sure if you looked into her credentials, they would have been valid. Just, I mean, I right. Well, been the only thing that's a little shady is you're like, why are you this smart of a nurse? Uh, or this well credentialed? Like, she almost seems like, oh, look, I'm actually the smartest person in the room. I just choose to be a nurse. But let me get to this well, one she, thing. She volunteered for that position. So, yeah. right. But then I'm like, ah, eh, no, you didn't. Something's up here. But, anyways. Okay. No, fair um, the most interesting thing in that video was she talked about uh, a kid needing, having a heart attack, having to convince the doctor, I'm going to play the clip after this discussion, but having to convince the doctor that he was in fact having a heart attack and how that injury was being recorded to basically cover the ass of the pharmaceutical companies uh, because there's a perverse incentive for um, hospitals not to record the vaccine injuries because of the way that they are compensated for treating these individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm curious to know, and I'm, I'm going to play that clip because I watched, I watched the whole eight minute video. People can go find the full eight minute video. I'll link it in. Um, but that two minutes of her testimony, I found to be the most interesting part. Yeah. Uh, and I do hope that we get more of an investigation into, uh, to what extent there are unrecorded vaccine injuries, which I believe that VAERS would be, will be, will turn out to be underreported. Oh, My, you know the, did you, were you aware of the Harvard study that came out mo- like seven or eight months ago at this point? On what I think they said it was like 10 times underreported. Like under, it should be like. Their estimate was under 1%. So you so can. So that's a hundred to one ratio. Right. And when, when like VAERS already has, 21,000 deaths in the U.S. times 100, you're at 2.1 million. Right. If you do it for the just disabilities that are up in the millions, that when we look at that, the average amount of comorbidities for a person who died with COVID was four. We decided potentially to injure hundreds, like tens, if not hundreds of millions of people eventually to like just the math does is looking at least like it's so not worth it. It's not funny. Well, what's what's so odd about the VAERS thing is that they can both claim that like, so we're rolling this out. We've got a way to know if there were injuries, but the system that we have doesn't work. Well, the program's been around for a very long time. What VAERS? Yes. Well, I've heard from, uh, we've had, uh, listeners of this show can go down the run your mouth archive and, uh, locate Dr. Krim, who has said that VAERS has always been a bad system because uh, oh, yeah, you have to actually yeah. take the time to put like put the reports in. And then he was also saying that he wouldn't necessarily put stock in undercounting because it could be that more doctors are kind of um, like have more time on their hands 
and are more aware of the COVID stuff. So they're actually more inclined to fill out the reports. There, there's an applicable story. I don't know if you've heard of the podcast, No Agenda. With the, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, some of the best coverage of all of this period. They actually uh, talked to, it, well, sorry, um, had, a, had a clip of uh, a nurse. I'm sorry, no, she was a physician who, um, she first of all was not even aware that bears existed. She then found out that it is a, I, I believe not, it's a, I'm fairly certain it's a felony to not report a vaccine injury. Right. And because she, she found out that a tons of her physicians were not even aware this was a thing. And so she went out of her way to kind of like create a guy, just help other doctors kind of do this. But most of the other doctors told her, no, we don't have enough time to do this because it is a lengthy process. You have to right. pull records of the patient. There's a lot of, apparently it, it, it's- And you don't get paid to do it. No. And what she started doing was she took a week off and requested and, and made a, a mailbox and said to the other physicians, I know you guys don't have time, but if you guys have patients that have adverse events, come give them to me and I will process the reports for you. And what was the number of unreported? Uh, she didn't get that far because, and she, this is on recording, her HR called her and basically they told her that for some bullshit rule that only the doctor that is- Oh, had done it can put in the report. Yeah. So right. make it difficult. Don't even inform half these doctors about it. I don't you know think what, you know it's a way to doctors that are going to upset You know it's a way that. to break it? I, I wish uh, the day will come. I promise you, run your mouth listeners. We will joke about the day that I had a studio out of my living room and that there were tech issues. The day will come uh, where we will be a massive institution. I promise you, I'm, I'm laying down the gauntlet, but the way to do it is to survey doctors on an individual basis and go, like, sure. how, many, how many incidents have you personally seen that you would get your best guess would be that this was a vaccine injury that you did not put into the VAERS system and then get a total number on just a statistical basis. But just on that claim, that's a simple claim. You're, yep. you're a doctor. What would you estimate is the amount of things that you saw that you would guess was an injury that you didn't put in and just take that total number. And there you go. That's a They're pretty good insight. Answer those questions because crazy. have come out over the entire, like both in, in Canada, in the States, I've seen it just of different medical boards, just like the memos coming out saying, if you guys talk about that, your licenses are gone. It's crazy. That's crazy. That's where you start realizing <laughs> I keep talking about it. I'm going to rename the show glimpses of the matrix, but like, that's one of those things that you hear and you're like, Oh, the, the fact that we think there's any freedom or that there's any degree of us not living in just pure socialism yeah. is just an illusion. It's like Fauci. Yeah, he, 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 all the people that talk to him, they're all very good scientists and he has absolutely no power over them controlling $800 million worth of grants. And basically all of these people's livelihoods are based upon government grants. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to close it out. I'm going to play this clip. Um this little highlight from the uh, Ron Johnson hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, where is this full, or like, what, what is this from? I don't, I, I managed to miss this incident when it happened. W like, was this a full Senate hearing? What is this clip from? I, I just pulled it from an eight minute clip that someone had posted on. Uh... All right, so I got to do my own homework. You yeah. know, I, I, I hope that the fans will call in. They'll have all the information that I don't have to sit down and figure it out. There but... are a number of doctors you can see in the background. So I would imagine they're having a few people who have differing opinions. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, yeah. 
So I will play that. Thank you so much for uh, coming on. Do you have like a secret Twitter handle or anything else where people can uh, hit you up or you just, no, you want to remain not, anonymous I'm not worried about that. But uh, this, I, I, I wish I could say this more positively, but this thing isn't quite over. So if, uh, if I can provide any more updates in a week or two or anything like that, I'll keep you posted. But uh, there you go. We secretly have the actual organizer on and people don't even realize the, uh, the magnitude of what you're getting done from we've that garage that you're working out of. <laughs> we fucking talked about this. No, I just I'm respect that I... you still have your Christmas tree up. Christmas spirits. Oh, of course. All right, dude, thank you so much. And uh, I appreciate all the insights. Uh, what we're going to do is I'm going to do the run through of clips from the other day. We're going to play this conversation and then I'm going to play that, that short clip of the doctor and that'll be the segment. But I can tell you that two days ago, I, I flew out my first 10 year old with a heart attack and I had to fight the doctor in the ER because he's like, 10 year olds don't have heart attacks. And I argued back and forth for 30 minutes to force his hand to get an EKG to find out that he was had almost a complete STEMI, which is ST elevated myocardial infarction, for which you could see it lit up on the 12 lead EKG. And he's like, well, that's not possible. And I'm like, well, he was just vaccinated yesterday. It is very much possible. At any given time, people are getting a hold of me and the nurse advocates at American Frontline Nurses to help advocate because, as you've seen, there is victim shaming that it does. Oh, it's anxiety. Oh, it's this. But in actuality, if they put down that it was a vaccine injury, the physician, the corporation, the hospital, the clinic, they actually won't get reimbursed. So it gets labeled as anxiety or neuropathy or Guillain-Barre syndrome, when in actuality, it's very realistically a vaccine injury. Now, I'm not, uh, even though I founded American Frontline Nurses, I've traveled extensively to South America, India, and South Africa, working in hot zones, stopping the spread of the virus, and working with early intervention. And nowhere in those countries, in developing nations, do I see these issues that we see here in the United States. It's actually, I'm a very proud American citizen. I come from a family of immigrants, and my mother told me that the United States is the, the best country in the world, though granted I am biased being an American. And our level of healthcare has been deteriorated to substandard third world nation healthcare, whereas I tell people you are better off in South America in a field hospital than you are in level one trauma designer hospitals in the United States. As nurses, we are getting reports across the country from our American frontline nurses about patients not getting food, patients not getting water. How come a patient hasn't been fed in nine days? Why do I need to get a court order to force a hospital to feed a person who isn't intubated and who's literally telling you they would like food? Oh, well, you can't take your BiPAP mask off. Well, that's what us nurses are for. We're going to help you take that off and we're going to help you eat, but we're not allowed to. If you know if they're on a ventilator, they're not getting basic standards of care. I've had patients that haven't been bathed, haven't been fed, haven't been given water, haven't been turned. And if you ask me, this isn't a hospital. This is a concentration camp. Absolutely it is. Nowhere in the United States do we isolate people for hundreds of hours at a time with no human contact. It's not even allowed in the prisons. You are not allowed to isolate a prisoner for beyond a certain extensive amount of time because it is, it is horrible for their mental health and is considered inhumane. However, in these hospitals now, we're allowed to isolate patients from their families for days, and you have to say, 
goodbye to them over an iPhone, as Jennifer Bridges has just demonstrated to us, or she has to shuttle people in to see. And personally, I was fired for sneaking a Hispanic family in to say the last rites to their family. And so thank you, Senator Johnson, for giving nurses the opportunity to come and represent our patients, because as you can see, we're not often thought of as uh, leading professionals.